Dr. Veronica Anderson is an MD, and for her that means many dimensions. She's a surgeon, a mother, a black belt, and a two-time marathon runner here to talk to you about your health, your happiness, and your world. It's Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. And welcome again to Wellness for the Real World. This is Dr. Veronica again. I have Russell over there. This is going to be a really interesting show because you guys are going to say, have you guys absolutely lost your mind? Have you absolutely moved away from science and logic and gone to the other side? We're not listening to you anymore. But this is going to be a really fun and interesting show. You know on Wellness for the Real World that we like to explore just all types of modalities of health, wellness, body, mind, spirit, and that's what makes wellness for the real world unique. In addition, we love to tell you what's going on in our lives and personally vis-a-vis all these subjects because then you have something to hang your hat on. So we're not just like the talking heads on you know, the 24-hour news stations. You have something to talk about that's personal, and it just makes it more fun and exciting. So we're going to give you our fun and exciting chit-chat today. We have on our show people who have vision, let's call it, vision where they can see things that some of the other of us can't see from the past, in the present, and in the future. Some of these people have visions with sick people in comas, probably all of them do, pets, Um, but we're talking about the area of psychics, medium, we have uh, somebody who's a pet psychic specialist. And what I'm going to say about this whole field is that, first of all, when we did our show on energy medicine, and I did a lot of background and research on it, and I had researched on it before because I thought it just a fascinating field that we just don't talk about much in Western medicine, I realized that there were these people who were like the uh, LeBron James of being able to read and move energy of themselves and of everybody else. And we are all made of energy. And therefore, we need to realize that this exists even if you don't want to believe that it does exist. Now, why are these things problems? One, because it's very difficult to do scientific research on these type of things at this point in time. However, there have been research projects done in these type of areas. So, for instance, let's talk about energy that you want to call prayer. For people who are religious, they pray. And they have actually shown that praying for people can improve their health even when the person doesn't know that they're praying. But not only that, and you might have heard about this when we talked to Joe Dispenza, that if you prayed now, you can affect somebody's health in the past. And these are the studies that were done. And so you might find it hard to believe. You might be a skeptic. But guess what? I always say go and explore it. And then if you say, eh, I still don't believe it, that's fine. But you may find something new and exciting that will help you. And the best thing that I've heard in this area is about people who have been healed this way. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of of background on me, okay? Um I walked through this life being very logical and sciencey, and then there was one day I kind of realized there's things that I know, and I don't know quite how I know them. Um, and there's, I feel like I'm getting messages that I need to tell people. <laughs> okay, 
Um, and at the time this started happening with me, I was living a very, quote-unquote, Christian life. And when you're in some religious orders, they consider this type of area demonic. I actually have a, a friend who was married to a woman who was a very, very talented psychic healer. And when she was a child, this was realized very young, when she was a child, her family used to put her in the basement and isolate her and torture her um, because they were scared. Because what she could do was just so un uncanny and so out of what a lot of other people can do as a child that the only thing they could think is that she's a demonic spirit, and so we're going to torture her. Um, this woman ended up being a very talented healer, healed a lot of people. She would come in, and all of a sudden, everything was okay. And doctors or and Western doctors like us couldn't explain exactly what was happening, except the patient has this miracle cure, whereas yesterday they were on their deathbed. Um, and so what happened is these type of things, when you have them, you keep them to yourself a lot of the time. And then you have other people who will say, you know, I had another woman who was a said to me, you have this talent. It's just not developed. <laughs> you you have it. You just haven't developed it because you haven't wanted to develop it, which is basically true. I figure there's other people out there that have talent. I have talent in other areas, so I'm not going to necessarily walk around using this all the time. Now, I will tell you that I believe my son, has my my oldest son, has this talent um, and more more than a usual person. Um, and which is which is quite interesting, but we haven't necessarily addressed it. But let me tell you my really interesting psychic story that the whole audience will be able to relate to, especially since you've been hearing about the rest of my life. And I have a, my friend Bonnie that you've probably heard about. If you've read my book, you read about Bonnie. Bonnie said to me, you have to go see my psychic. You have to go see my psychic. Go see my psychic. And I said, okay, one day I'll go see her. And so finally I made an appointment and I went to see her, and it was October of 2010. We're in fourth quarter of 2010. I go to the woman. Her name is Carol London, and she says, tell me your name, all the names you've been known by, and your birth date, and that's all I want to know. Okay. And then for the next hour to hour and a half, she sat and just told me things about me, about my past, about my present, about people who are in my life, about my future, about my children, <laughs> okay, about my ex-husband. Um, and it was just fascinating because she was just so accurate with things from the past and things that you can't go up and go and look on the Internet. When she was telling me about the different, you know, the personality styles of my children and different things about them that I would tell you that only – people in the family might know these things, or maybe only I would know these things. It was just quite fascinating. But then she started telling me things about what would happen, what what some of the things that might happen. She said, we're going to happen in my future. Not might happen, we're going to happen in my future. And she said to me in this time, and if you go back and listen to my radio shows, you'll know that this time was this way. She told me I, I was going to get married. And she told me about five times during this disjointed, okay? Now, people will say, well, you're a divorced woman. Of course you're going to get married again. That's not a big deal. But not only did she tell me that I was going to get married, she told me I was going to get married in 2012, okay? <laughs> now, this is fourth quarter of 2010. There are There's nobody on the scene that I could foresee, 
that I could marry. Okay? No way. There was just there were some guys around that you know we hung out every once in a while. But what was something going to happen in the relationship to, that all of a sudden I was going to feel like I wanted to marry one of these guys? Couldn't see it. Okay. And in December of 2010, early December, I did a show with Ariel Ford, a TV show, Beat the Experts with Ariel Ford. And Ariel Ford wrote the book The Soul May Secret. Now I had told you about my list and how I set up my life. I took my book to Ariel Ford when I met her, okay, and I ordered the book. I don't even I can't even remember how I ended up ordering the book. It just appeared one day on Amazon and I said, This seems interesting. Let me order it. I read it. I had done some of the things already anyway. I agreed with the concept and I said, you know, I really would like to meet my soulmate because I realized that although I was married before, I don't believe I was married to the person who was my soulmate. And so I told Ariel when I met her, I said, here's my book, and I you know, I want my business to be really successful, but one of the things I really would like is to manifest my soulmate. I would like to meet my soulmate. So around this was around December 10th of 2010. I met my husband December 24th of 2010. So <laughs> we met at a party. I told you, may have told you the story about this before, when I met him, um, I said, hello. I didn't really pay much attention to him. He came up and said something to me during the night. I didn't even look at him when I answered him. I was ice bitch because I thought he was married and I wasn't talking to somebody else's husband. Okay. And then the rest of the story is a progression, but I can tell you at that point in time when I met him and even when in we started to see each other, I couldn't tell you that, you know, immediately I didn't know, I didn't want, actually, let me just tell you this. Actually, pretty immediately, we both did know that we, he, I knew he was the one. He knew I was the one. Two weeks into our relationship, he said, and this is somebody, I went in saying, I don't want to get married. He went in saying, he didn't want to get married. That's cool. Now we can hang out together. This is going to be fun. Two weeks into the relationship, he says to me, I think you're the one. <laughs> okay. Now, this is the guy who said he never wanted to get married the first time. And he didn't want to get married again. <laughs> okay. Um, and so it's interesting that the, he was not even – now, the energy and of the setup was there. And so, therefore, I think this is why it all happened. I put it out to the universe. The energy and setup was there. But at the time that she was telling me this, I hadn't even met him yet. <laughs> Okay, And so I got to tell you, when she told me that, she was so accurate about everything else that it was that topic of that I was going to get married in 2012 is um, was just like, how can that be? But everything else she said was so on. This marriage thing is just weird. Now, probably you're saying, but you just got married December of 2011. Well, it was 2012 somewhere. But guess what? You guys all know that in a few weeks, maybe even when you're listening to this, we are having a church wedding in Paris. So... In a sense, we are getting married in 2012, really, but we were married on December 31st, like right before midnight here in North America, but it was 2012 someplace else. Um, but I just wanted to tell you that you have to be open-minded about what's out there in the world. You don't know everything, and we're going to talk to these people who are fabulous communicators, 
Some of us communicate with our eyes and our ears and our mouth, and these people communicate a different way and are able to tell us things that all of us can't see and perceive. And so I'm going to welcome Russell in because Russell just told me something interesting, too. I want you guys to know, but I'm going to let Russell tell you what he just told me Two minutes before the show started. Russell, hello. <laughs> well, now, I could have sworn I told you this in the past, actually. But I I, I had a period of being um, a medium myself. Um, I'm not a very good medium. I'm not a very, <laughs> um, a very expressive medium. But, um, wow, maybe 20 years ago, I was involved with a really interesting group of people here in New York City who were... Um, uh, the center of whom was was a trance was a medium a, a trance channeler very much a la Shirley MacLaine that sort of thing and and we would meet weekly you know this maybe eight or so of us and uh, and she would speak in different personalities and so on and this went on in, uh, weekly for a while over a year until one time one of those common personalities turned around and said to me you know you would be very good at this. And I was kind of like, oh, blah, 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 blah. and um, to make a story short, I took some lessons in it. She connected me with someone who would sit with me and help me practice this. And and uh, it was one of the wildest experiences of my life. But eventually, after many, many false starts and so on, I was able to sit in a chair and, and um Oh my God! Feel like ten thousand volts of electricity were pouring through me. I, I was I was sweating out of every pore. Um, I was generally terrified to let myself speak because I had this idea that I was supposed to be unconscious, and uh, otherwise it would be me speaking, you know, and it would be false. But um, I, I eventually got through that, and once I would allow myself to utter a sound, well, it would just it would just go. And I would sort of basically have no memory of what I'd said or been talking about, uh, except other people in the room did. Um, I eventually uh, backed away from it a little bit because honestly, I was a little, um, I was a little scared of it. I really didn't know what the hell I was going to do with something like that. I didn't see myself being a medium who sits in their apartment in the dark with candles, giving readings for a living. I. Um, it started kind of blowing open. The phone would ring. I always knew who it was. I'd walk down the street. I knew exactly when the subway was coming. All this crazy stuff, it seemed. Um, and I'm certainly a broader person for it, but I, I did kind of back away from the formality of it in that way. And there you have that nutshell. Uh, interesting. Yeah, well, do you, yeah. do you still have those sensations now that you can do it, or you shut it down completely? No, I I still uh I still know I can do it. I still uh feel it sometimes. Um do I pursue it? No. Um do, am I certain I could if I so chose? Yeah, but thus far I have not and I'm sure there are many deep psychological reasons for that. Um who knows? Maybe one of our guests tonight knows what that's about. Basically I yeah. think it's just fear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I have the times where I can I um I I I start talking about someone and that's who ends up calling on the phone like within you know five minutes or something like that or uh -huh. it, there's 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 these things that 
happened rather regularly for me, but it's just like not something I necessarily talk about. It's part of me. Sometimes other people who are around me realize, how do you know this? <laughs> okay. But right. interesting. Let's start bringing in our guests, and they could tell us something about their experience because I think probably all of them have had these stunning times where they're saying, wow. I'm a little bit different from everybody else. And then getting to the point where they were comfortable enough to do what they do publicly and do it to help other people. So, Russell, uh -huh. why don't you give our introduction? Well, our first guest tonight is Charles Peden. Uh, his website is charlespeden, P-E-D-E-N.com. Uh, he has a lot of stories to tell. He works with pets, uh, living or dead, uh, works with finding lost pets, uh, helping them get home and with humans as well. Charles, you're on Wellness for the Real World. Welcome, and we're glad to have you with us. Veronica and Russell, thank you very much for having me on. I'm happy that, see, yesterday, I don't know what popped in my head. This this materialized in 24 hours. You've got to know this. We've never put the sh a show together this quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. It popped in my, I, I was reading an article about a woman in, in, a, in a magazine, okay, who was, a, who is a psychic. And I reached out to her, and she ended up not being able to do it. We went back and forth. And then I said, Russell mentioned something about a pet psychic. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea who it was, and I put into my search engine, Pet Psychic, who came up with a search engine, Charles Peden. So I sent an email and said, Charles, can you do a show with us? <laughs> and he said, sure, I'd love to, very quickly, very quick response, because you know we all have all this life happening. And then I sent it to Russell. Russell said, hey, he can do this tomorrow night for us. <laughs> so here we are. interestingly, here everybody is. And we have another guest. Because we, we weren't have sure tried. what we were going to do tomorrow tonight. We, we had no idea. No. We, had, we had another guest that we tomorrow? have tried to get for other shows who he couldn't make it all those times we call, and tonight he could make it. And you're going to hear him because he has, a, to me, a very interesting, fascinating story. So when I heard he was on, I was also giving the fist pump. But, Charles, tell us about this pet thing. First of all, how did you realize that you could do this? Is this something from childhood and pets? Now, I'm not a pet well, it owner. Started, <laughs> it started early on. I would say probably around the age of three to five or so, I'd have little things happen. And I would bring them up to my parents, and uh, they would be dismissed, and I would be dissuaded uh, otherwise, you know, basically told, no, that's not real. Uh, stop making up stories and so forth. And so... I basically suppressed those abilities as a child. And as I entered my uh, teen years and my early adulthood, uh, it all became uh, just a, uh, a very mm, old memory that I thought was fuzzy and maybe it was just uh, overactive childhood imagination. So I didn't really chalk it up as being anything genuine. And it wasn't until uh, 2006 that I had a ghost appear in my house. And at that point, I would consider myself a complete skeptic of anything of this nature. And I had a ghost appear in my house, and uh, it was one of those things where I'm walking down the hallway, I'm getting ready for bed, I turn around expecting to see my wife standing there, and there's this woman standing there who's three inches taller than my wife, and she's dressed in a turn-of-the-century uh, outfit. And I look over, and it's like, okay, how'd you get in? I'm looking for an open door or an open window, and I'm kind of panicked. And I do a yeah, double take, and I turn, and she's still there, and I can kind of see through her a little bit. And that point, I think the hairs went straight up on the back of my neck oh. and everywhere else. 
and she enters the small of my back and then exits my chest in like a classic horror picture move. <gasps> and at that moment, it was kind of like someone taking a DVD of their life experiences and plugging it into you and hitting playback, and all of a sudden you're experiencing their emotions as if they're your own. And it didn't make any sense, and it was kind of freaky. And so all of a sudden I felt this fear, this loneliness, this sorrow, and the biggest part I felt was why. Why did it have to happen this way? She was beaten to death when she was in her third, uh, first trimester. <gasps> she was with child. Wow. And uh, so she gave me a lot of information that I was then able to take to the Town Historical Society, get confirmations from them. I found uh, census reports that confirmed details that she had provided. I found an original uh, platting of the township where it showed the division of the properties and the property we lived on was tied to her father's name, which she had already given me prior to me researching it. And so everything checked out. And um, I think it was about three months from there that uh, it kind of hit uh, all cylinders firing and went from zero to 60 overnight, I guess you'd say, and uh, found myself working as a medium. And it wasn't until seven months later I discovered that animals could talk too. Now, wait, when you say talk... yeah. Like we see on TV on the cartoons talk? Oh, geez, no. I wouldn't say it like that. No. It's more like, let me back up. Everything to me operates off binary code. So the same way that your computer can display information from around the world or from a local source, such as your hard drive or from a DVD, the mind works very similarly. The mind is kind of like that computer screen the sense that all the information that we view on the computer, regardless of the source of the material, is all displayed in the same location. And so the mind does the same thing. And so we may receive information that we think we generate, but if we were to parse it out and to basically source it and figure out where's this material coming from, we'd find out a lot of the material that's in our mind wasn't generated by us. It's actually our loved ones on the other side trying to get through to us, sending us messages. It's our higher self trying to connect with us and saying, hey, stupid, turn left, don't do this. <laughs> Uh, and so on and so forth. And so initially when I make contact with someone, whether they're animal or human, makes no difference, The it's kind of like a little energy pulse coming through, and that's my one or a, a affirmation. And a flat line or uh, no response whatsoever, that's like your zero. And just like a computer can take those ones and zeros and turn them into full images with movement, sound, and so forth, the same is true of psychic material. When it's beamed in on a, a series of ones and zeros, basically, initially it comes in in that form, but very rapidly you're able to take that and to turn it into images and uh, information that you can understand a lot better than just ones and zeros. Okay, so here's my question, though. How do yeah. I know that what you're doing is quote unquote real? So tell us, tell mm. us like a, a, a story where, for example, there's something that you today. I'll use today as an example. Do. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Today I had a, a woman who wanted me to talk to her dog, and her dog's gone missing. Her dog's been missing since uh, September of last year. And so it's a fairly public case. There's a lot of information about there. There's wanted posters that I've seen and so forth. So I can't use a description of the animal to confirm a connection with the animal. I have to dig deeper. I have to bring forward something that's so specific, so personal, so private, that only she and this animal know this. And so I asked the animal, dog's name is Buddy, I said, Buddy, can you do me a huge favor? Can you bring forward something that's very, very specific to you, something that no one else knows about? And all of a sudden I see this bowl of macaroni and cheese. 
so mac and cheese, why am I looking at mac and cheese? And so I bring it up to the woman. She goes, that's his favorite dish. I make homemade mac and cheese, and that's what he loves. He absolutely lives for it. Now, in seven years of doing this, I have never brought forward mac and cheese when connecting with a dog. (laughs) And so that kind of tells me I'm talking to the dog. Not to mention the dog tells me exactly what the woman's wearing. Wow. So you say this to the woman? Yes. I told her what she was wearing. She goes, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I just put that on this morning. Okay, so where is the dog, though? The dog was deceased. It was missing but deceased. Ah, uh, can you tell how that happened? If the animal shows me what took place, I can easily bring that forward. However, there's many cases where they don't want to reveal the gory details if that's what took place, because then that's going to be your last memory of them, and they don't want to be remembered like that. Interesting. So, so they may they may try to shield you from some information, but it's more of a uh, self-preservation thing for them than anything else. I see. Because then in the future, because they're telepathically tied to us, so in the future, anytime you think about that animal, and you go, oh, my goodness, that was so tragic, and they were struck that by that car. I hope they didn't have to suffer. Oh, they lived for three hours after being struck. Oh, that's so sad, you know. And then every time that you think about that, you bring them back to that by proxy. Okay, and so in order to themselves, they don't reveal that detail. They just go ahead and tell you, yeah, I'm passed, and here's some other details about myself that are, you know, private details that no one else knows, and this confirms that you're talking to me. Okay, so now here's a here's a question that I have. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're talking to the the deceased dog. You're talking to the mm-hmm. alive woman, and mm-hmm. so would you say that dogs have spirits and that they go? Does that mean that this dog is in another life and uh, they're, they're living as the a dog, place. or 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 do dog spirits go into people spirits and things like that? What do you what do you know about that? From my from my um, understanding, uh, once you're a dog spirit, you're pretty much a dog spirit. Same with a human. I haven't seen any kind of mm, cross species uh, kind of things going on, but um, I do know this that when they pass, they go to the same place that our human spirits go to. And they all interact together. And it's a level playing field. There's no language barriers or anything of that kind of nature. And so they're all able to communicate freely amongst each other on the other side. And so as we go through life, our loved ones that pass, they um, kind of become an entourage, if you will, uh, on the other side, kind of like our NASCAR pit crew. And we can turn to them for assistance on the uh, while we're going through the uh, road of life or the game of life and ask for them to provide us additional insight and, you know, basically try to steer us clear of danger. It's kind of like that NASCAR pit crew that's watching over their driver as he's out there on the race course, and they say, oh, he's got a low tire on the left side. Let's get him in. You may not be aware of that. You're too busy jockeying for first position. So let me ask you, is your specialty, the the area that you're most talented with, the pet area? It's not, I would say, uh, where I'm most talented. I'm equally talented with working with both human spirits and with animal spirits. I would say that I leaned heavily towards animals initially after discovering that animals could communicate like this because it was a little bit easier to talk to somebody about. Like, say, for instance, I'm on the street and I'm just walking around minding my own business. I frequently have spirits come up to me and try to get my attention. 
Uh, for example, I'm at a uh, uh, farmer's market the other day, and I'm just walking down the aisles, checking out all the sites and so forth, and I see the stop smoking cessation uh, guy, and I'm like, I wonder what kind of hypnosis he can do if he's limited to just doing this stop smoking or if he can do weight loss hypnosis too, because I'm curious about things about the mind. So I go over to his booth, and I start chit-chatting with him for a minute, and all of a sudden I feel my liver. And I take my hand, and I put it on my liver, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's, that doesn't feel right. Female liver, something about a liver being removed. And I ask him, I go, do you know someone who had a liver problem, a female? Um, I don't know. It's like something happened to the liver. And he goes, I've got a female liver. I, I'm an organ donor recipient. I was like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, she needs to talk to you now. <laughs> and so the woman whose liver he had, uh, she wanted to thank him for honoring the contract he had signed and for respecting her liver. And uh, he was a big burly guy. He, he was uh, pretty tough, you know, but he ended up having to put on his shades and turn around. And he, he left his booth for a good 15 minutes while he had a good cry. And, uh, you know, it certainly touched him uh, quite strongly. And the same thing will happen with animals where, where animals will stop me and they'll say, hey, listen, you need to tell my person this. And I found it much easier to talk to strangers about their animals as opposed to, oh, your grandma wants to talk to you. Oh, your boyfriend who died in that drive-by, he's right here right now. <laughs> That's interesting. They tend to freak out a little bit more, but with the animal thing, they all seem, seem to be a little bit more uh, open to it. Huh. Wow, interesting. Well, if people need help in this area, especially vis-a-vis the pets, charlespeden.com is where you can find him, charlespeden.com. He's here for a reason. something very important I want to add. Sure. And that is that there's a lot of people out there, and it's it's exploding in a exponential fashion where it's just uh, more and more people offering these types of services. You've got to be careful that when you seek out consultation with these types of services, and I'm talking specifically with animal communication, that um, they're genuine. And there's a lot of people out there who request a photograph. They request the background history on the animal. They want the medical records. They want everything. And then they're going to tell you that they're talking to your animal. And, you know, i got to be honest with you. If I know you've got a great Pyrenees, a large breed dog, and that they're 13, I can talk to you about hip dysplasia, and you're going to go, wow, you're good. I can talk to you about how your dog loves you, and you're going to be, oh, my God, you're good. And I can give you a couple more feel-good platitudes, and you're going to go, you're spot on. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of people out there who think they have these abilities. They they are well-intentioned, many of them, but they're just uh, a little off. Insist that the person doesn't request an animal's photograph because if you can truly talk to animals, they can describe themselves to you. There's no photograph required. They don't need it. Absolutely unnecessary. Um, Veronica, I've got to ask you a quick question. Sure. Do you have a small black dog that you're associated with? The only one that I would say is my mother's dog, Max. He's not tiny, though. Is it like a uh, little terrier, a little bit longer coat? No. This might be Russell. I've got a uh, a dog. It looks like a little bit of a like a wire terrier or something like that um, with a uh, black coat and a little bit longer fur. Uh, I have a 65-pound um, <laughs> short-haired collie who's black and white and tan. I'm about to turn 14. I wouldn't call him little. No, no, no that's tan. not it. 
You guys make a side yeah. note of that. I've learned over the years that if I bring something forward, there's always a good reason for it. I did a radio show recently where uh, one of the callers had asked me to communicate with some of her animals that had passed, and then as I was doing so, I brought forward a uh, dog that had a docked tail. And she swore up and down she didn't have a dog with a docked tail. And about five minutes after we got off the uh, call, she calls the station back and goes, yeah, I just figured out who the docked tail guy was. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so if it doesn't uh, jog uh, immediately with you, there's a good chance that you'll remember who it is later on. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see. You know what, okay. audience? We will definitely report to you back on this. <laughs> and then say, remember that guy? Here's what he said, and here's here's what we know now about it. And charlespedin.com, charlespedin.com, P-E-D-I-N. I want you to know where to find all these people. Oh, God. I'm sitting here looking at his name, spelling it wrong. Now, why did I do that? <laughs> looking right at it in That's big, okay. bold letters, because Russell always gives me everything in big, bold letters, and he wrote somebody's name wrong, and I can remember he wrote their name wrong and what it is, and this is why I spell P-E-D-E-N, Charles P. There you go. There you, there go. you go. Thank <laughs> you, Charles. You're welcome. Well, and now, Veronica, our next guest, um, I'm sure you remember, you and I met this gentleman at the Publicity Summit here at the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York City. This is the guy's name who I got wrong. (laughs) His name is Joseph M. Higgins. I'm not going to say how I got it wrong because I don't want to plant that seed with other people. Uh, Joseph um, is an interesting man, and we're glad to have you with us. Joseph, welcome to Wellness for the Real World. Well, thank you for having me on tonight. It's nice to uh, be able to connect with uh, Dr. Veronica and yourself. Well, thank you, Joseph. We had such a great time. People at the National Publicity Summit was great. We met great people. This is one of the men that we met, and we were sitting there fascinating, asking him questions, um, because... This is when he started talking more. He started talking more in the medical realm. He was communicating with people in comas and things like that. So, Joseph, tell us a little bit about how you discovered this and what you do with it now. Well, when I was a child, I never really got to sleep before like three o'clock in the morning in my uh, house. I was always being confronted with either lights or sounds or feeling like someone was touching me. So I knew. I had some type of connection with something. Um, but back in those days, no one talked about it. I mean, in the last 10 or 15 years, we know that a lot more people are, are open to it, or at least they discuss it more openly. But 30 or 40 years ago, no one no one talked about it, so I never mentioned it to my parents or anything. Um, but this went on for quite a while. And then as I got older, I put it to the side, and but I knew that I still had a connection with the other side or, or some type of essence or presence around. So I started to develop it much more about 15 years ago. And as I did, I got into different modalities. Um, I did the mediumship, but I also got into some of Reiki, the energy healing that you had talked about earlier. And when I did that, some people I met wanted me to do some Reiki, which is uh, in the hospital they call it therapeutic touch. Um, and, for example, in my second Reiki 2 class, out of 10 people, 7 of them were nurses. So this is something that's done a lot in hospitals across the country now, so it's not as woo-woo as people think. Um, They've done studies such as uh, less complications on post-op surgeries and things like that, 
And for people that aren't really tuned into it, just think of someone like holding someone's hand when they're ill and how it brings comfort. So that's kind of an energy transfer there. But some people wanted me to work with some coma patients and to give them this energy um, healing or bring them comfort while they were in end stages of uh, uh, cancer. So that's how I started to get into connecting with coma patients. It was almost like an experiment. I was there to do an energy transfer, and you know, to hold this person's hand and, and give comfort. And I said, well, since I'm here, I'm going to open up and see if I get anything. And, and I did. So what were you getting from these people? It's just like they're in a coma. For those of us who are, have never experienced the coma, it's a mystery. What's going on there? What are, what are, what's happening from your perspective when someone's in a coma? Well, a lot of studies have been done on, on people in comas, and we know a little bit more of it now. And by no means am I an expert on comas. Um, you're the doctor on this call. Um, but there are some things that came through that verified some of the studies that have been done in the mainstream, such as people in comas, they can hear music. They can hear conversations. They can sense who is around them, even though they have no way of communicating. So we've learned this through the mainstream, but I've also picked it up from sensing it as a medium. One of the main things that comes through for everyone is that their body is not them. Their essence is not the same as your body. And when I did the first one, and it was a, a lady in her 40s, and she was passing from brain cancer. And I came into the room, and I was invited by one of the family members. And we had to be certified in Reiki in order to practice in, in a hospice situation, which was fine because you just, you know, you just don't want anyone in there, you know, trying to do stuff. So while I was in there, and I had my hands on the lady, I opened up, and I actually saw her about three feet off her off the bed. And what I saw was this young, late 30, early 40s, beautiful woman, dark hair, dark curly hair, and she kept on saying to me, that's not me, and she's pointing to the, the body that was in the, uh, in the bed, that's not me, I'm here, I'm here. And after like the fourth time she mentioned it, I said back to her, just in a thought, I realized that I know it, I can hear you. And she was very surprised, and she was happy that she could communicate, and she wasn't as agitated as trying to get the message across when she realized that I could understand it. But she was adamant. She goes, that's not me. I'm here. I'm here, which I thought was fascinating. So that kind of led me to, you know, to trying to, you know, I don't want to say experiment, but to look into other uh, coma patients and how they would react. And they were very similar, similar reactions. So when somebody's in a coma, what you're saying is that their body's laying there, but their essence and being is not the body. And is that mean, what is, what is that telling us from the outside to do with them? There's bodies laying there but they're the rest of them someplace else. So what those of us who are watching this happen, how do we know what what our loved one wants, what to do? Well, I think, you know, by being there, by uh, 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 supporting them and showing love, they can feel all that energy. 
if there's bickering or something like that, they can also they can also feel that. Now, if it's a late state cancer, like in this particular situation, this lady passed six days after I was in the room. So at that stage, um, she was already starting a transition process. If someone's in a coma and they're not going to pass, they they'll come, you know, they'll go in and out, in and out. They'll be close to the body and then they'll be out of the body. So they're a little bit different. Um, so they can under, they understand and they can communicate. Well, they they try to communicate, but a lot of times, unless you have someone there directly, um, you're not sure. And a lot of doctors and a lot of people that work with coma patients, they feel like they they can you know if they wash their hair, they might get a response of, of some type. But with a medium or someone that has that ability to connect, you can actually get verbal communications, which they could give a names, birth dates, um, people that were in the room. Uh, conversations they heard so that you know you are communicating with them and it's just not coming out of the blow. Hmm, interesting. So what type of people now consult you? I have people that come for everything from soup to nuts because I do the mediumship and I do um, a lot of stuff on how to receive signs from loved ones. So a lot of people come to me saying, you know, like I'm getting all these these things that are happening after my husband passed and stuff, and I can I can help them out in that area to recognize why the signs are coming and, and how they're coming. But with the coma patients, people that want to have that last connection before someone passes over want to see if they can still have the ability to say, I'm here, can you understand that I love you? They want to say goodbye. And a lot of times people when they don't have a chance to say goodbye in a relative pass, it's one of the big things that they do come to a medium for because they have unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. And if someone's in a coma and they're ready to pass or something, they figure, you know, they're still here. Let's try to see if we can do it. I got it. Now, I have to ask you this question. This is unrelated to comas, but something that you put down for us, and i got to ask this, the last question. Can your heirlooms be haunted? You guys are saying, how are you going from coma to heirlooms? Can your heirlooms be haunted? Use jewelry, gifts, and antique. What if their former owner had a shady past? And that all even makes me wonder about, you talk, we talked about this guy who got a liver from this woman. What, what of that? Is, do, do objects carry forth negative energies or positive energies? Do organs carry forth negative energies and positive energies? What do you say about that? I say the objects definitely carry energy with them because we're all made of energy, all the objects are made of energy. Um, so there's a, a science called psychometry, and that's the, the ability to read objects. So if someone gave me a ring or, let's say, a watch, you could pick up information from that object that was owned, the object was owned from someone else. Now, if it's something negative, your ability, I mean, if you got a, a watch and, let's say, it had a negative past and, you know, 30 years ago, if someone gave it to you as a gift out of love, that's really going to balance things off. So that's really the strong thing that's going to come through. So if it was involved in a murder or something like that, it might not come through that way. But if someone's actually reading the object, they might be able to pick up the different times. Okay, this was given to you by a loved one, but I also have someone else, a previous owner that owned it, and it was involved in some criminal activity. So you can pick up certain things like that. And I had someone oh, about 12 years ago, a friend of mine who read a watch. We, we had done a, a, 
you know, we sat down and we were just testing each other and I read his keys and he read my watch and he didn't know anything about it. And, uh, when he was done, he came through, he said, you know, this watch, I, you know, I associate it with your father. And he said, the only thing I saw was a beach and a big surf casting rod. And I almost broke down crying because huh. it was my father's watch. He had passed many years before that. And the only thing, my father used to work seven days a week, but the only time he took a vacation, he used to go to the beach and, uh, and, and surf cast for, for fish, for bluefish. So that's how I knew you can pick up objects and read them. And I've read objects that people, people's grandfather that were in World War II, and you can see they'll show you the plane. And wow. The different, types of, the different types of wings so and, and insignia, so you can tell the time. Um, you might see um, someone's boots or uniform. So you can know, all right, it's World War Two. It's not World War One or Korea. So, and then that information would come through. So they'll work with you with that energy. If it's from a loved one, it's like a double barrel. You can get they'll they'll manipulate that uh, that particular energy around that object so that that information will come through. It's another way that they can show that they can connect with their loved one. Very, very interesting. Well, josephmhiggins.com is how you can find Joseph. He has some other interesting things on here. Don't have time for it. We'll have to call him back and ask some more questions because I think all this is quite fascinating. Um, and so josephmhiggins.com. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Dr. Veronica. It was great talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime. Well, thank you, Joseph. Uh, with us now, we have a gentleman named John Traficante. Uh, John was born in Hoboken, New Jersey, so he must be okay at least a little bit. Um, <laughs> he has been a medium since his childhood and has also written a book called A Total Reboot from the Soul to the Surface. John Traficante, welcome to Wellness for the Real World. Thank you for having me. How how are you both tonight? We're great. Now, do you prefer to be called John or JT? Whatever. I mean, most people, my name is John. Most of my family calls me John, but I'm known as JT, so a lot of people call me JT. JT from Hoboken. How interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you Sounds just, so cliche. You huh. seem to have such a varied um, um, history with being in, in this area and some fascinating stories, and you look like you are one of the LeBron Jameses of this area. Um, just maybe maybe the way people market you and write you up, it seems that way. But you start tell, – tell us about your start in this. Wow. Um, where do we begin? Let's see. Well, in childhood, you know, when you're a child and you 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 come through with an ability to see things that um uh, the adults around you don't um it it takes extreme focus uh to hold self and as a child i was able to see you know spiritual life as well as physical life and and energy and all that stuff and when i would voice my uh, what I was seeing, you know, the the people around me would look at me like, you know, what what is this? You know, let's send him away somewhere, <laughs> you know. And so I had to, I was, I guess I came in with it. I had to be uh, wise enough to quiet myself to the adults because what I was seeing, they weren't able to hold the vibration um, of it. 
so I observed a lot as a child. As a teenager, I embraced my intuition, and in my early 20s, I went on a spiritual journey, and from there I arrived. I knew more of um, the power of what it, what it is that I that I'm blessed with, and to use it um, in its in its greatest form. So, so it wasn't always easy. <laughs> So it seems that everybody, almost everybody with this type of ability um, quiets it at first because everybody's a skeptic and uh, doesn't understand it. So when did you first start using the gift that you have? In my teenage years, you know, when I started to embrace my intuition and my instincts, I would write things down and I would see that they would come into fruition. And, um, you know, by 17, I was reading cards for people and um, gained a following from that time. So now, one of the things that you talk about, though, is that you guide people spiritually and help people live by a higher and greater consciousness. Now, there's so many people today that say this type of thing. Just everybody claims they're a spiritual coach and a spiritual counselor. What makes you different? Um, just simply being myself. I think that in, when you work with someone, I think when people come to me, they're led to me. It's almost like the universe has a caseload. And I always know that. Um, you know, even when I began this years ago, that if someone was present with me, uh, there was a reason for that. And there was a level of information that I had for them. And I give them that information, and it's up to them to utilize the tools that are there for them to grow. Okay. So, for, yeah. So I want to ask you, ever, that, well, that leads to the question of, because we've tried to get you on our show before, okay? And <laughs> okay. it hasn't happened. So there is a reason within less than 24 hours you are here on our show. So I want you to tell us why you're here tonight. All is in divine time. Perhaps it was the level of energy that was uh, on the show or the 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 uh, just uh, my I had an open schedule <laughs> and you came up with the topic and here we are on the radio doing what we do. There's always a reason. There's always um, some kind of... It's a vibration. It's just a vibration. Everything's energy, you know? And and perhaps, or on a greater level, uh, Veronica, it's, it might be for someone that's going to be listening in on the conversation, what we're speaking about, what we're sending out there. And it'll probably help transform their life. So that there's always an equation to everything. It's so, like that's where science needs to marry spirit, and then we'll evolve as a planet. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask a, a, a personal question. Someone had sure. indicated to me um, mm-hmm. I was having a particular issue, and when I mentioned it to this person, they said that's because you're having some. Um, uncertainty about your spiritual journey. You're going through something with your spiritual journey right now. Do you see, can you get that or see that from me? 
The Spiritual Journey of Dr. Veronica in Transition. Well, first and foremost, we're we're all a work in progress. That that you you never stop growing, you always evolve. I think that the person that um brought this mirror to you and said, Okay, this is what's going on. This is this is an outside opinion. This is what I see. Uh you're in a transition and that what that does is it brings an awareness to you to be mindful of what is going on in your life, to be aware of choices that you're making, and to utilize self and your gifts to your highest level. For instance, you're doing your blog talk radio, okay? Now, the reason why you're doing that is so that you share you and, of course, Russell, uh, that's on the show, on a greater level so that the energetic vibration that you have, you're sending out there to the airwaves into the universe saying, okay, this is me, this is my life, here I am. Okay, if you get something from this, let it help you. If not, then that's okay too. Pass it on, let somebody else, you know, get the information that they need or what have we. But for you being in this personal transition, it's indicating that it's probably a time to shed some, what I'm getting a sense of is like, shed some files, be carrying around a lot of stuff um, in your heart chakra that don't need to be there. Uh, you, you may feel a little weighed down. It's best to travel light. And for whatever reason, in this transition or whatever this person brought this awareness to you, it's probably time for you to let go of the past and to be soulfully in the present so that you can enjoy, um, you know, your, your new husband and your children um, that at this age, not at age two, but at age now, um, and also for you to embrace where you're at on your journey of becoming more of yourself. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Yes. I'm going to let Russell jump in. Russell. Russell, somewhere. Honest, I am. There I am. There I am. There you are. <laughs> Sometimes technology takes a minute. <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm listening okay. to you. No, John, I, I have a question um, for you and really for everyone we've spoken with tonight. Um, um, I, I, different ones of you have used a different way to describe uh, whether we're all together on another level at the same time as here or what have you. I, I'm not really... Uh, asking you if you agree precisely with their semantics or not, although if you vehemently disagree, I, I guess you should say so. But my question is, um, where did all this fit in? If one, um, if one believes in God, if one believes in right or wrong, blah, blah, or if one doesn't, is this in conflict in any way with that? I mean, some would say this stuff is not in the Bible. How can you, uh, if you are talking to people on any other level, um, that's bad. Well, for instance, and I have this chapter in my book on religion. Uh -huh. Religion is man-made. God didn't write religion. Man made religion. Woman made religion. And so. 
So you have people's personal opinion in each writing. Mm-hmm. And so my theory on religion is they're all levels of growing processes. I don't think there's any right or wrong religion. I don't think that anything should be barbaric. Um, we, we should have moved away from that uh, a long, long time ago, but unfortunately some religions still, in the name of God, um, destroy. And God is not a God of duality. And so, um, in, in answering your question, is what is right or wrong, it's what resonates personally to self, because that's where you're growing. You know, the Catholics believe one thing, Jewish people believe another, and, you know, all religions believe different things. You know, it's a personal relationship to a higher power. And so, I guess, in essence, if you put all of them together, you probably get, you know, uh, love. Love is the greatest thing on the planet. Love is the greatest thing in the world, in the universe. So, they all nurture love, but for some reason, judgment has come in and has distorted many different types of religion. So, in, in your question to me is, is whatever resonates for you, whatever your belief system, whatever gets you through, whatever sustains you or anybody, can work with that. What happens mm-hmm. to most people is sometimes they outgrow that belief system, but because of guilt or fear or a martyr, they still stay there, but not get fed spiritually enough by evolving to another level. Mhm. Mhm. I think you're very right what you say. Um <laughs> I think all, we've both outgrown religions in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, of course, you know, it it, it it's too uh, limiting for anybody on a journey. You you know, this this is a journey not a destination and we're in a time of of technology that's quicker and faster because we as as uh, humans or in a higher consciousness or whatever, we're creating this stuff. We've created, you know, the Internet, and we've created, you know, airplanes and all that stuff. And what happens in religion, and I'm not I'm, I'm not against religion. I think religion is great because it does bring pe- it unites people and it sustains them to some degree. However, it limits them to... Uh, a little microcosm, and it separates them sometimes from the macrocosm. Well, JT, we're going to have to, like, wind down here because we're in the last minute of the show, which is, this is fascinating discussion. JTUniverse.com, spiritual guider, communicates with past, present, and future, jtuniverse.com. It's been really interesting just listening to the insights about the pets, about the about the spirit, about the objects. Wellness for the real world. you got to do what's good for your soul and good for your spirit, so that's why we bring you these things. Wellness for the real world. Russell, I want to thank you for being with me again. 
Thank you, you, Veronica. (laughs) It's always great. (laughs) 